Hey guys, what's up? This is Chris Chavez, co-host of History Creeps, Hardly Kayfabe, and Chris and Anthony Just Can't Stop. Normally, you'd hear a bumper for the network right about now. Instead, I wanted to take a moment to ask a favor. If you've ever listened to many of our shows on the network, you've heard us talk about a place that has quickly established itself as a staple of downtown Buffalo over the past couple of years. Mizuta Chow's is a Japanese-themed bar-slash-restaurant-slash-retro-80s arcade that features amazing Japanese-inspired street food, top-shelf drinks, and a glittery pink staircase that has become one of Buffalo's most popular Instagram selfie destinations. Like many other establishments around the country, Mizuta Chow's was forced to shut their doors and lay off their staff when the COVID pandemic hit. At first, they didn't let that stop them from helping the community. For weeks, Johnny Chow and his partner Christy, along with a number of other Chow's employees, worked to feed essential workers on the front lines treating those affected by the virus. They organized pop-up drive through grocery supply stores for anyone who needed essential items. The crew at Mizuta Chow's has worked tirelessly to support the community during this rough time. Now, we here at the network want to help show our appreciation for an establishment that has proven what it means to be a neighbor in the 716. Recently, a GoFundMe was set up to try to raise money to help Mizuta Chow's pay employees, bills, and ensure that when it's safe to, they can open their doors to the good people of Buffalo and Western New York. I know things are rough everywhere, but if you are able to, please consider donating to the Mizuta Chow's Relief Fund on GoFundMe. Every bit helps. You can also find a link at bicbp-radio.com. Thanks for listening and supporting the network. Now on with your show. Welcome to another edition of the panel discussion. I here am one of your three hosts, Greg Knowlton. And as always, I am joined by my two great teammates. First with... It's me. It's me. It's D-D-P. And can you feel the... Nah, I'm just, I'm just goofing. I'm just, I'm just goofing with you guys. I'm, I'm COVID goofing. It's Porcupine Jones. Micah, how you doing? <laughs> And Greg's faithful sidekick, Matt Mann. I am here. I am here. I am present. I'm here two weeks in a row. Yes. 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 Two weeks. We got Matt. That's the the spirit. Uh, (laughs) What a personality. Uh, Yeah. So welcome to another week of the panel discussion, everybody. Uh, Home of comic book talk right here on the network. And we are finishing up. This is our last episode for Annal April. We've already made it. That Did you just say anal April? April? I was like, I was liking the animal <laughs> a, a, anal April. Is that what you just said? That's what I just heard. Legitimately, you have to like my wife. You just hear everything so very wrong. Uh, unbelievable, unbelievable. <laughs> Jeez. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. I went there. I went there. Uh, so this is the last month of Animal April, and honestly, this April has gone by pretty quick. I don't know about you guys, but um, despite everything going on in the world. This, this April has gone by much quicker than I felt like March did, and I'm a little sad to see this theme go. Uh, I don't know what we have next month, what our theme is for next month. I don't know off the top of my head, but we will be, our next episode, we will be going in a different direction uh, as far as what our our theme will be. But uh, today, you know, we got some fun stuff to talk about. First, with news, Mike, I know you had something you really wanted to get across uh, for our news segment today. All right, so everyone knows I'm huge into horror, and my favorite 
one of my favorite uh, series, movies, uh, mythology, comic books, books, whatever, Hellraiser. And this is actually hot off the presses. HBO is moving forward with a TV series based on the Hellraiser mythology. Uh, it's actually Halloween, the 2018 Halloween movie. Uh, you guys, you guys saw that, right? Yes. Yes. You like it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, David, David Gordon Green, who worked on that movie, uh, and brought us the latest rendition of Michael Myers is actually going to be at the helm uh, to, for the pilot episode and other episodes of the first season. Um, it's written by uh, the guy that did Battlestar Galactica, uh, Daredevil and Heroes, and is act, and also has Michael Doherty, who worked on uh, X-Men United, uh, Godzilla, and one of my personal favorite horror flicks, Trick or Treat. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because there's some excellent Hellraiser comics that I'd actually, I think they could actually grab some of that, uh, uh, some of the mythology from the comic books and use it in this, uh, in this HBO series. Uh, this is really wild because I, it's very exciting for me, especially being a horror fan. Uh, cause Hellraiser seemed like it was dead in the water. Uh, we had a bunch of, uh, we, we had the, the last Hellraiser book came out about three years ago where, uh, Clive Barker actually killed off, uh, Pinhead. Um, and the last couple movies, the Hellraiser movies, it had a different actor portraying Pinhead and it was just absolutely terrible, terrible reviews. And it seemed like the whole series was just completely dead, but this series is coming out on, uh, on HBO and there is actually also a reboot to the Hellraiser films. Uh, oh. Yeah, David Bruckner, who worked on, uh, who who brought us the Ritual. That's a horror film that's exclusive to Netflix. Pretty fantastic. Is uh, is at the helm of the Hellraiser reboot, which we should be getting in the next couple of years. Uh, I mean, everything is already the the reboot is in pre production. And it seems like this series now is also in pre-production, which is really wild. Um, and man, what a time to be alive. It is. I mean, it is good to hear that they're trying something new. But I have noticed this trend with these with these mainstream horror movie like reboots at times. A lot of them just aren't hitting uh, with, with the crowd. What, what's, what do you think is the logic behind that? Because I know you, you're very into like the local cinema scene, the, the independent. I forgot the phrasing you used before, but like indie films and, and stuff like that. Why are these mainstream ones that constantly uh, are being pushed? Why are they not doing so well? Uh, Ex- reboots and all that stuff. Exploitation films. That's what we call yeah. them. Oh, Explo- I, yeah. <laughs> uh, the reason why the reboots aren't really doing that well is because they're fucking reboots. Nobody wants reboots anymore. That's uh, that's something that's dead in the water, man. What yeah. we want are um, what we want are these. I guess they're called soft reboots. I know Jay and Silent Bob, they uh, they recently poked fun at it in that terrible movie that came out last year. Um, but with with soft reboots, you could you could take out a bunch of the middle bullshit, like what they did with Halloween. They cut out all the sequels, and this was a straight story continuation from the original, right? Uh, the the nineteen seventy eight Halloween movie. Um, that's that's what we we didn't want a Friday the Thirteenth reboot. We didn't want that. We wanted another sequel. Nobody asked for uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street 
reboot, you know, but yeah, unfortunately, I mean, those are kind of look at movie looked at like movie classics, like things you just don't touch. Uh, that I, I, I can agree with that. Nobody asked for a, a reimagining of those stories at all. No, and you lose, you lose a lot of that like imagination. Um, you lose a lot of the the mystique, and you you lose that that feel uh, of of the originals that came out in the '80s. Everything in the '80s had its own aesthetic. It had its own look. You know, its own score. And then to try to reboot that and make it into something modern, it just really destroys the magic of of something along those lines. Like I know now, uh, uh, this is I know I'm getting off topic here, but they're they're working on a Pumpkinhead reboot as opposed to just yeah, like another story or continuation of the story. See, it's it's in 2013 they had uh, an Evil Dead movie, and a lot of people called it a reboot. It's not a reboot. It's actually a continuation of the Necronomicon story. It just happened to be at the same cabin that Ash was at, you know, Bruce Campbell's character. Uh, but you know, the, his Delta, the Delta was there. The car was there. It's just a different story in the same universe. Um, I expect more of that in the future going forward with these soft reboots. Um, I'm extremely intrigued by this Hellraiser series. Um, especially being an HBO, you kind of have a little bit more leeway than you would um, making a movie when it comes to violence, pushing the envelope, and especially for something as grotesque and barbaric as Hellraiser. You could really fucking push the envelope here. Um, And of course, there's, I mean, there's always going to be nudity in these HBO shows. So I'm uh, boobs and gore, man. Put those two together. Woo, sign me the fuck up. Was uh, Ash and the Evil Dead on Stars or was that HBO? Uh, Stars, yeah. Because uh, that got pretty. They did a pretty good job with pushing the envelope as far as gore and stuff with that as well. They had um, nobody telling them not to. Yeah, that was. The best I have to just show you something real quick. So everybody, they it. wanted like, uh, uh, what do we have here? Is that Nightbreed? It oh, is. excellent! That's very with nice. A, with the Jesse Parks on the front. <laughs> <laughs> uh so greg just pulled up a nightbreed comic which i'm a i'm a big fan of nightbreed um but i'm really i'm really really intrigued on how they're gonna make a series a hellraiser series and it's uh there's so much you can do you could do the backstory uh you could make new stories it's it's just you could time jump oh the sky's the limit yeah, that's the thing I think with like reboots is no one wants to be told the same story over again. People want to, um, people want to to expand. Like you said, they want to know more about the thing that they're already invested in. Like they want the lore to be fleshed out. Like that's why things like um, as weird as it was, like Star Wars having what was kind of meant to be a kids' cartoon in Clone Wars has become super popular because it just expanded on a story that people already knew and wanted to know more about. Um, right. I think it's the same logic we need more too. stuff like that. Yeah. It's the same logic too. When we go to the movie theaters and we get pissed, if uh, a comic book movie doesn't hit the comic book origins of a character, I, I think a lot of people are, you know, it's, it's the same kind of logic. I think it goes like that. So, uh, so yeah, so hopefully this does very well. Uh, Mike, I know you are a huge horror fan. Uh, you pretty much live for it. You live for it. So hopefully we get some good uh, Hellraiser out of this. Uh, the next oh. bit of news uh, we got is San Diego Comic Con officially canceled. 
they could do, go a certain direction with it, but this is the first time and it's, I think it's in its entire history or maybe in a almost 50 years, uh, something like that, that it's been canceled, of course, for obvious reasons. Uh, what, what, what's your guys' initial thoughts? Greg, let's start with you. Um, I don't, it, it just slows this hype down. I think it really sticks uh, just because we're already in this, like it came in the middle of a comic book movie lull. We haven't had any movies. We were supposed to get one in, in March or May, March. May. Uh, and we yeah. didn't get one. Hey. We're not going to get one. All of them are, are pushed back. I know we don't want to talk too much about that, but now like we don't have anything really too. Usually you start hearing those whispers like, oh, they, they showed the teaser for this movie and, and for yeah. this, and you don't get to get as excited. Um it hurts. <laughs> the same thing kind of happened with video games this year. Um, and everyone's just kind of speculating everything, which is fun, but not when you have to. You, we've already been speculating for what, a year, it feels like at this point. <laughs> no, most certainly. No, it's it's tough. I mean, we, we are seeing like Comic Cons, that's our pride and joy. Like us podcasters, comic book guys, horror lovers, whatever you may be, whatever part of pop culture, Comic Con is it's it's the be all end all, no matter where it's where it is, whether it's San Diego, New York City, uh, Nickel City, whatever it may be. Uh, that's like the the be all end all. So I I hope they try and do something because what I'm noticing a lot, and that's what our network is doing as far as our uh, our own pod uh, Western Europe PodCon showcase. Not that it's anything close to the size of San Diego Comic Con, uh, but we're going yes. a more digital route. Uh, yes, you are right. Yes, we we got some big plans. Hopefully it pans out, but. Uh, <sighs> I hope they go with cyber, like it's some kind of cyber round. Yeah. They still have presentations of some sort. You know, uh, I sat this entire weekend and, and, you know, again, everything that's going on. The NFL draft was going on and they did a very, it was so unique, but I was invested the entire weekend. And I feel like, uh, you know, San Diego could pull off something like this. I'm not, you can still pull off Zoom interviews. Oh, and, man. And, like, I know it's, that's, I don't mean to cut you off with that. I know earlier before we started recording, we were like, maybe they'll do an online gimmick, whatever. N no, that no. sucks. That sucks so much, dude. Just, just. Think? Yeah, dude. Because, like, the whole appeal of Comic Con is going there and, like, seeing the cosplays. Yeah. And I agree with that. Now, coming from somebody that's been to a shit fuck ton of cons, never the San Diego one, I gotta tell you, those nerds are fucking wild. They always have drugs on them, and they're all fucking each other. <laughs> it's wild. Uh, so I come from, like, the, the video game background pretty heavy, and they do a, a convention called E3 every year, yeah, where... Man. They do the full event, kind of similar to Comic-Con, but one of the things that I always love about E3 is they do have a crowd, um, but they do have that cyber part of it where they still show off the, the titles. And one of the big parts of E3 that I always get excited is waiting to see like what title will flash across the screen for a second. And it's always kind of bugged me that if I didn't drive all the way to San Diego Comic-Con, or um, which I, this is like super like, ooh, I'm a comic fan too. I, I get that. But like, I, I kind of wish they had an experience similar to E3 where I could sit as a fly on the wall and, and watch and see all this with everyone else because we're going to get it spoiled to us anyway on the internet. It's always kind of bugged me that it's been secretive, like the secret society of people who will drop $700 for a day pass. Um, 
And because there's so much included with actually being there, like putting it online won't stop people from going. E3 has still been huge with the vendors, with the cosplay, with the people you can meet and things like. So putting, I think, some of the panels online wouldn't stop people from going. Putting like the some of the video packages, like I would still, I still would want to go. I still want to go to an E3 one day, even though I could watch it from the comfort of my house every day, every year. Right. And I probably know the answer to this, but I won't ask Micah uh, what, what his take on it is. But uh, Greg, I'd ask you, would you pay for an online San Diego Comic-Con? Would you pay a, a subscription fee for the weekend or something like that? It all depended on how much it, it was. If it was like a, like, here's an hour of video for 60 bucks, I'd be, uh, if it's yeah. like a, here's what you're going to get. And here's like the passes for this, maybe these specific panels. I, I might be more interested in it. Okay. It all depended on price. Yeah. I, I can, I didn't even buy this. I'm like, already down on the idea of it, which is fair, which is completely fair. Uh, Back in my day, we didn't have the internet. I don't know why I became a redneck. (laughs) You go for the experience, not not to sit in your fucking front of your fucking computer. God damn it! No, I, I, I. As we talk in front of our computers, staring at each other. (laughs) Yeah, well. Oh, I'm not. I'm not. I, so I, I can understand both sides to it. I can understand both yeah. sides. Um, there is a, th- a really big thrill about being there and going to meet artists and celebrities mm-hmm. and getting their autographs yeah, and, and spending $400 for 30 seconds with them. Uh, Comic-Cons have a smell. You can't duplicate that smell on a smell. Fuck. You, not yet. We'll, we'll have 4D one day. We'll have smell-o-vision. Smell-o-vision? It'll just be just be Cheetos and Mountain Dew right through your computer screen. I love it. Yeah, I love a little it. bit of Old Spice. So, so yeah, that's one of the things that we definitely want to get to discuss today because uh, that is it is it's it's different. It's you know it's it's sign of the times that we're in though. But I think that was mostly it for the news. I did want to bring to our listeners' attention that uh, our Facebook page is getting a little bit of a uh, a rebirth of sort. Uh, myself, Greg, and Micah are putting together a really cool uh, weekly fight thing, fight club, superhero fight nights. So let me just—we're just going to beat the shit out of each other for your enjoyment <laughs> and not tell anybody about it. Uh, it is <laughs> comic character fight night. Uh, we're going to run. You already kind of do that. <laughs> technically, uh, technically, so. If you're not a part of our Facebook page, go find it. And what was going to happen, My uh, Greg has this really unique idea. And all I can say is find us on Wednesday. We're going to probably post it. What, t- what time do you think we can we can do this? Uh, our our, uh, our hype up video, I guess, our prediction video. 7.30. There'll be 7:30? finger puppets. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I wish I had finger puppets. But so, yeah, 7.30, there'll okay, be a cool right. little video element. It'll be sweet. Yeah, it'll be I'm sweet. Excited. So while with your time, so make sure you find that. But I'll give you a little heads up as to what we're talking about, this comic character fight night. So pretty much any character that's ever appeared in a comic book is eligible uh, for our fight nights. So we're going to do seven a week. We're going to do seven a week. We're, I'm planning on doing record keeping, 
championship titles just for the sake of it. Pretty much myself, Greg and Mike are going to be fantasy booking a a UFC comic book character fight to the death kind of thing. Uh, but here yeah. are some. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be lit, fam. Um, here are some of the matches. No. <laughs> here are our seven matches that we have uh, ready for you guys. First up, we're gonna do a little tag team action here. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Michelangelo and Raphael versus Rocket and Groot of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Woo! I'm hooked. I'm hooked on a feeling. I'm excited to see how this one plays out. Our next one, we got another tag team match. More TMNT versus the Guardians. Leonardo and Donatello versus Drax and Gamora. So that should be a fun one. That should be a fun one. Hercules and He-Man. That was one of Greg's brainchilds, man. I was like, whoa, this could be really something. I'm excited to see that one. Uh, another Greg brainchild, Zatanna and Dazzler. I was not expecting that. Uh, so that's going to be another. That's going to be another match. Uh, another one I select: Havoc and Cyborg. Uh, I'm a big Havoc mark, so uh, excited to see how that one plays out. Black Cat versus Catwoman, Battle of the Pussy, and <laughs> the last, <laughs> and our last one: The Thing versus Swamp Thing. That is our last match. Um, so those are your seven matches, and you're going to have the option to vote for who you think should be the winner. And we're going to have a sweet little video component. That The voting will take place on Thursday. The video component will occur on Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. So please make sure you go find the page and check it out to see what we are we have in store for you. But that is that is all I wanted to talk about. We're going to do those every week, you know, get some more interaction, get something, get something moving again on the panel discussion Facebook page. So make sure you go like it and uh, stay tuned. Awesome. Can we talk about yeah. animals now? Yeah, we could, we could do that. We could do that. You want to start us off? I'll I'll start us off. Sure, go ahead. So I uh, went right away. Uh, I needed to. I wanted to go back to the mainstream. I know I went DC Comics again, and I went Monkey again, uh, like Detective Chimp. But I wanted to talk about one of my favorite villains, um, and that is Gorilla Grodd. Um, who is, if you don't know, an ape from Gorilla City. That's, you know, because where else did gorillas come from? Who um, that was is way ahead. Uh, original song, Gorilla City, as opposed to Paradise <laughs> City. Fun fact. <laughs> okay, carry on. Take it away. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I shut my video down. So I don't have to look at your smug face. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> um so he is like largely known for being not only a physical villain but also um a very psychological um villain as well he's probably the flash's greatest villain in my opinion um i am a big fan of the flash but i get bored of him fighting speedsters um (laughs) i just i just do like you can only see two guys like run a track meet against each other and call each other names so many times before just like, all right, we get it. You're the fastest man alive. Like I, I like seeing him have to think I like seeing him have to outsmart. Um, and, and really Grodd is someone who does that to him and puts him down a lot. Um, 
And it's because he has telekinesis. He has mind control. Um, he has an army of gorillas. He can take over other people as well. Um, and his MO is pretty, pretty typical. Um, that, that he wants to destroy humans because they suck. So uh, Grodd actually debuted in The Flash in Flash 106 in 1959. Uh, and he was created by Dr- John Broom and Carmine Infantino, who I believe we've brought up before. Um, and has been in basically every major villain group in DC Comics at one point. Um, and I just... I'm a big fan of well-written villains. Um, and I think it's really easy to go, Hey, this guy is an angry gorilla and, and kind of leave it at that. Um, it's a pissed but, off gorilla. Yeah. But he, there's so much more to him. There's so many more layers to the character um, with kind of also being the, this leader of a gorilla city, which normally sounds very like, honestly, it sounds cheesy and lame, but it's so well-written in the comics. Um, that I just always like the character. I'm always drawn to the character. Um, and he's one of the few characters that never really helps the good guys out. He's If Grodd's there, it usually means something bad is happening for everybody. Um, and most recently, one of my favorite images of Grodd is um, he went back in time. There were, while we know the speed force exists, there's other forces as well. The strength force, the sage force, um, things like that. And Grodd went back in time and actually took a turtle, turtle, the villain turtle that had the power to slow things down, who has the sage force. Um, So he could actually use the sage force to counter out Flash's speed. So we have this giant Grodd walking around with a tiny infant baby turtle strapped to his his body which is pretty great uh and turtle is a man so i just really like the weird stuff with this character so i knew it he was the turtle from that show entourage yeah that guy that one yeah (laughs) um he's one of those characters that's just had so many different runs he has had a live action run in the animated or in not the in the live action series on cw um which came out way better than i expected and he was voiced by keith david which is huge like keith david's voice on anything is kind of a big deal um he's been the voice of spawn he's been arbiter and halo he's been we know they live um all sorts of different things he's a he's got a huge track record and he just brought that power to Grodd that made him intimidating. Hearing that voice is just terrifying. Um, yeah. Do you, do you guys have any, like, have you read any of, uh, of like Grodd storylines? When I was younger. Yeah. I, uh, I, I did. Um, I liked it, but it's that whole thing, man. It's just decent with stale for me after a while, but I, I could only read so much flash. Yeah, and that's fair. Flash like is so hit or miss, I think. And I think Grodd is one of the few villains that always brings me back to him. There you go. Yeah, I've seen bits and pieces of Grodd over the years. I didn't know what to like. I've known about him for for forever, and I've uh, I don't know. I've always been impartial, but more recently, I've seen him. I actually played. Uh, I know it's not comic book, but the video game Injustice Two. Yep. And I really liked. I, I took a liking to Grodd because of that game. Uh, I thought it was a really 
it was like a Planet of the Apes vibe. Uh, that's what exactly mm-hmm. what I got from him. And I, I, I love those movies. And I thought that was a great, you know, if that's the direction, if that was the inspiration that they were going for when they created Grodd, uh, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm all for it. No, I think he's a it's t- very different character, very different character. But I, I, I like how out of the box he is. Um, you know, he's, he's featured very heavily nowadays too, which is which is always good to yeah. see. I, li- I would like to see a live action, uh, you know, a movie version of him yeah. at some point. I don't know if we ever will, but um, I I think he belongs at, as a main as a mainstream DC villain a little bit more than he's been portrayed in the past. Yeah, it, uh, I mean, he didn't do shit for Harambe, but whatever. <laughs> touche touche um but yeah (laughs) to me like grod is like if if beast turned into a villain that's kind of what you land with grod um he looks like he's all physical strength and power but he's also probably one of the smartest villains in uh dc continuity so yeah that's that's i don't have too much on him other than that i i could babble about a character all day but he i just wanted to talk about a villain um that kind of comes from that background we talk about a lot of heroes that are also these animal characters because usually animals are like loving and cuddly and we see them as this good thing so i wanted to talk about more of that animalistic villain um who's just because he's so intimidating no that's that's a big difference from some of the other characters that we've covered like spider ham and and, and whatnot uh yeah yeah really grad just He's awesome. Great character. I think it's a great selection on your part, Greg. Good job, Greg. Ah, oh, thanks. <laughs> Micah, you look like you have your notes ready to go. Do you want to go next? I was just skimming at him, but yeah, sure, why not? I'll do it. Whatever, you know, fuck your face. I don't give a fuck. It's all uh, boob drawings. Alright, <laughs> 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 uh, right. so back in 1999, Hellraiser. Box of Evil, number one, created by Mike Mignola, introduced this character, Lobster Johnson. That's where we get a, hey, all right, Lobster Johnson, holy shit. Yes, right, kid, Lobster Johnson. I'm going to tell you why Lobster Johnson is so cool. Lobster Johnson was a vigilante turned, turned Nazi hunter turned vengeful spirit. Not... And Lobster Johnson is so cool because no one really knows anything about his background still. Like to this day, we don't know his real name. We don't know his origin story. We just know that he's a badass from the 1930s, a badass vigilante from the 1930s that took out a bunch of crime syndicates, um, mob bosses, everything. And he did so in such a brutal manner. Now, for those that don't know who Lobster Johnson is, he wore kind of like a trench coat goggles like a cow like a fedora type hat thing over top um pistols and he his palm had a lobster claw in it that he would burn into the scalp uh face whatever of anyone that he killed or crossed bad guys that he crossed paths with um kind of like he kind of has that batman thing going on only he'll kill you um so what happened was in the 30s uh around like the late 30s uh him and his comrades they were being uh they were taken they were being taken out left and right in very grisly manner all the vigilantes were being killed uh because they were getting really close to finding out like this whole plan to resurrect the hyperion uh empire 
and uh, his kind, they were just all meeting a brutal end. So he had to do something. So he enlisted into the U.S. military where he actually fought Nazis as an independent agent. Um, yeah, so yeah, he was just, he was left at an impasse and he had to join the, the army. Um, so he's, but he was like, he was in all these missions to fight all like the supernatural bullshit that the Nazis were doing. And they did do that too. I'm really big into conspiracy theories. That's why I've always liked the Hellboy lore and the comics and stuff like that. Cause I think a lot of it is true. Like in men in black, when they read the inquire magazine, I think a lot of <laughs> shit in Hellboy actually really fucking happened. Um, stuff like the, you know, the spear of destiny, opening portals, space travel and shit that Hitler was trying to do, you know, thinking that the, the Aryan race were, they could have been aliens at one point. Well, anyways, um, Lobster Johnson, he ended up, uh, yeah, his battle against fascism actually ended when he discovered Nazi scientists trying to launch one of their own into space. Uh, he was he hijacked the mission, killing the Nazis, killing all the evil Nazi scientists, um, and in the process, also killing himself. Um, his soul, however, became vengeful, and he's because he still had unfinished business, and he actually showed up in 1999 like i mentioned earlier to help hellboy and uh what was that other guy uh her uh roger roger yeah uh hellboy and roger against uh herman von klump uh to uh basically prevent the construction of the world oh it was von klump and rasputin they remember that greg they had the whole mm -hmm. uh, uh what was it the conqueror worm they were trying mm -hmm. to on earth yeah uh lobster johnson came out saved the day um but you know, the whole thing like, oh, he finished his un his unfinished business. Now he could rest peacefully. Uh -uh. Lobster Johnson came back in 2003 uh, to help Roger out and the BPRD to fight against frog monsters. Um, the, the cool thing is that they have a lot of uh, it's 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 almost meta in a way. It's a story within a story where Lobster Johnson, he's considered like a legend it's the whole like oh shit is he real like no he wasn't real he was just created uh for war propaganda uh but hellboy actually was since a young kid was a huge fan of lobster johnson and read all of the lobster johnson comic books um and believed in him and lobster johnson actually showed up in the 2019 hellboy movie playboy played by uh thomas hayden church who also played the sandman in spider-man 3 matt i know that's your favorite spider-man movie um okay, but yes it is yes it is all right <laughs> um, well lobster johnson had an absolute badass scene uh in hellboy where he takes out a room full of nazis um and then he shows up at the end of the movie, uh, which breaks my heart that this movie got terrible reviews and just bombed in the box office. And we will not be getting a sequel, getting more of Lobster Johnson. Um, I, I love the lobster. Um, I, I really I showed as soon as Micah said he was going to do this, I pulled my Funko Pop out because I love I love it. Uh, he's I'm awesome. a big fan of that. So awesome. He is. Excellent one-liners. He's fucking brutal as shit. He's like, uh, it's it's kind of like uh, uh, Death Wish with uh, how did I just forget his name? Oh my god, Death Wish. No, not 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 ringing a bell. Um, I know what you're talking about, but I can't. 
Yeah, but anyway, uh, Charles Bronson, Jesus Christ, I'm such an asshole. Um, I had, had, a, had a few pops, boys. I had a few pops, just a few. Uh, he's got, he's, he has that Charles Bronson thing where he's just this old dude who has this particular set of skills, and he will fuck you up. Um, but there's no, uh, it's just so cool because we don't know who he is. We don't know where he came from. We don't know his backstory. We don't know how that claw on his palm could burn you. You know, maybe there's something that heats up in there. Maybe it's supernatural. You know, and he's been like, he's been shot and blown up and lived Mm -hmm. before, um, all sorts of stuff. And I, so I'm a big fan of the Hellboy series as well. And I especially have, I kind of like that like noir pulp vibe. Oh, me um, too. Me too, man. And I, I feel like that's one of the things that's kind of missed the mark for me with like the Hellboy live actions is I would love more of like a Sin City, like, um, or even Spider-Man noir from, from Spider-Verse, like take on these characters. Um, yeah. I've seen some of the animated Hellboy movies and they kind of take more of that that direction and I, I really like that and i think that that's what this series needs to feel like um it needs to feel kind of surreal uh because i feel like it tries to be too much like this is it's actually happening when it should feel like it's from that era um, yeah. they always modernize it and i, I want it to be from you know the, the time that it's supposed to be in the movies or in the comic books um, and i think it would just add to the with the music that would be in the soundtracks and just the actual looks of the character um, I, I just really would love that, especially to see, I'd love to see lobster again. and like a pulp, like a pulp noir, um, even just an animated film, I think could be really cool. Yeah. Think about too, what a pain in the ass it was just to get the first Hellboy out back in, what was that? 2003, yeah. 2004. And then yeah. it took, took four, four years or so to get a sequel going. Uh, we were supposed to get a trilogy of the Ron Perlman, Guillermo del Toro, uh, series there and then that fell off and then now we got this new hellboy with uh david harbour who was awesome um yeah but it's uh i i just don't foresee another hellboy movie happening in the next five years so i'm fine with animated i i've kind of fallen into the the world of like certain things where I, I would rather watch an animated at this point than a live action, like, like DC, for example, there's certain things I'll just, I'd rather see the, the animated movies that are going to come out, like um, the rise of the Superman and things like that. Cause I feel like they're going to be done better than they will be live action. Yeah. More comic book accuracy. Uh, when you get, when you do the animated route, there's, there's a lot more you can do um, if you just go to stories. So yeah, I can agree with that. Rise of the Superman was, uh, was a good one too. But, Sorry, boys. My wife just came out of the shower, and she is looking like a snack. Hey, I saw you. Hey. Your emotions you just made. Yeah. God damn, baby. You're so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you had with me, so you're stupid. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, hey, guys. No, oh, hey. What's up? Um. All right. I guess I'll finish this off. I'll finish this uh, episode off. Oh, one more thing real quick. What, what, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. what, what Greg said about, uh, you know, uh, the, the he's into the, the cartoon version or whatever like that. I actually, with all this, uh, all this shit coming out now, I'm a firm believer in a Hellraiser series. I, th- I Did I say Hellraiser? Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. She's still walking around. Um, I, 
a Hellboy, a Hellboy series. I think a Hellboy series would be amazing. There's enough characters. There is yeah. enough background. Do a BPRD the- series. BPRD, yes, man. It doesn't yeah. just have to follow Hellboy. I would love to. Hellboy have- could come in and out. Exactly. At one point in the in the the Dark Horse comic series, he leaves and he disappears yep. and just leaves everyone behind, and it followed everyone else. And uh. And uh, 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 fuck, I lost my train of thought. All right, Matt, take it away. (laughs) All right. Uh, I will do that. I will do that. So the character that I'm covering for uh, this, my last Animal April, I'm going to go with the Killer Croc route. I haven't, I don't think I've done any DC this month for this. Usually I I do tend to lead towards Marvel and we do a a theme. But uh, Killer Croc is somebody I've known about since the 90s. I remember him in the animated series, the Batman animated series. And I was impartial to him. He wasn't the Joker. He wasn't Mr. Freeze. He wasn't uh, the Penguin and some of those mainstream, you know, villains at that time uh, that I was really accustomed to. But uh, regardless, growing up and seeing how Killer Croc has evolved over the years and, uh, you know, he's such a uh, what a wonderful villain is what I'm going to say. Batman has one of the best, if not the best, rogues gallery and over the last couple of years, I've really taken a liking to Killer Croc and, and just that helped reinforce how depthy uh, this rogues gallery is. Uh, I'd like, you know, nowadays more, he has more of a reptilian look, but I, I, back in the day, I wasn't very fond of his uh, his humanoid appearance, even though they that's the route that they went with Suicide Squad um, as far as like shape and, and all that stuff. But uh, I had fun doing this episode because I got to learn a little bit about him because I don't know too I don't know too much in depth about Killer Croc, uh, but apparently uh, he was well his real name is Waylon Jones we everybody kind of knows that but he's born with a form of atavism, um, which I was never sure of I never sure why Killer Croc was the way he was, uh, but I have seen uh, back in like the like 2010. They were trying to do this live action Mortal Kombat thing. I forgot what it was. And they that's they it was something like this for reptile. Mortal Kombat Legacies. It was legacy. And they did a reptile episode, a uh, little reptile mini thing, and it was it was something similar to this. So I can yeah. like that was that was relate it was somewhat relatable. Uh but yeah, for those who don't know, atavism is a it's it's a like a it's a very strange birth birth effect where uh you have like reptilian features. Uh as a, like a little embryo, it's kind of weird. I clicked on just real quick a, a picture of it, like a reptilian tail on like human embryo, like just furthering the point that you know our government is all a bunch of lizards. But that's just did you, you, fall, into a, did you fall into a hole. I, I might have. I legit just did. I think I just did. Are you turning into me? I might. Be. Did you message Val Venus? Because he <laughs> believes in the lizard people. We might be best friends now. Um, so good so good but he was raised by <laughs> he was raised by an aunt who she was pretty abusive and alcoholic and uh she picked out him and eventually once croc got sick of it ended up and killed her and then began a criminal life in gotham city and you know he's frequently went toe-to-toe with batman and robin and and, and so many others uh you know over his tenure but uh, yeah powerhouse uh, seeing him in suicide squad gave me a little bit of extra appreciation for him but he's gone toe-to-toe with everybody he does not care he's got he he reminds me almost like uh almost like the the dc's equivalent to marvel's hammerhead he's still got that mob mentality 
Um, I think that's kind of the, the closest way to do it. He, he doesn't care who, you know, if you're a villain or a hero, he's still going to wreck you. Uh, I was reading some stuff. He's been in fights and, and feuds with Bane and uh, amongst several other uh, regular villains. Two I think even Two-Face at one point. But uh, he, he often finds himself on the losing end of those those battles, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, that was Bane's, uh, Bane's kind of like debut, I think, to establish that Bane was going to be a number one baddie is that he like the killer croc straight up jobbed out to him yeah what a way to put him over uh yeah. get somebody excited because i let's see croc debuted in 83 that was his first appearance 83 so he's been around for a hot minute been around for a little while um he's as old as me yeah <laughs> He's been yeah. around for less time than i thought i thought he was a little older of a villain like i, I thought, thought he 70s. came out i thought yeah. 70s um, so that was cool to find out. But uh, he frequently finds himself now in some of the biggest DC storylines. Uh, and, yeah, I, I I enjoy him. I, I, I enjoy seeing some of the storylines. Um, I actually remember reading back through this. I remember having his toy, his, like, 90s toy um, from the 90s animated series. For some reason, the, the Killer Croc one, you know how every, like, toy line, they always have that one figure that just gets put out too much, and it's always, like, yeah. the last one on the shelf? The Killer Croc one was that back in the day, back in the 90s. I do remember that. I do remember getting that uh, that figure at one point in my life. But, uh, yeah, Killer Croc, great character and uh, kind of underrated. Like I said, he's getting more popular now. He's being featured in more in bigger and, and more meaningful storylines that, that kind of go across the entire DC universe. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my favorite levels in the the original Arkham Asylum video game, where um, I remember you're in the sewers and it was terrifying. I, so a little known uh, unknown fact about me is I'm scared of the water. Uh, I'm scared oh. of specifically things like coming out of the water, so like sharks and crocodiles. It freaks me out. I've actually tipped a canoe in crocodile infested waters before. Um, that's a real thing that's happened to me. So oh. they freaked me out. And I was playing, I remember playing this level and you had to run across the platforms at a certain speed and in a certain pattern or killer Croc's character would bust out of the platform and eat you and kill you. And I, I think I legitimately soiled myself like four times doing that, that story, <laughs> that mission, but it's absolutely, it was one of my favorite missions because it was just so, um, anxiety inducing and like being like, Normally when you're, you're, I'm Batman, there's nothing that should scare me, blah, blah, blah. You're playing a video game as Batman. Like you're playing a video game as Batman and Killer Croc is still intimidating, especially like the first introduction is Batman's looking up at Croc and can barely even like manage to look him in the eye. Um, so, so I just, I really liked that character, especially from that moment. I was like, man, he's probably the villain I'm the most scared of right now. Yeah. I'm glad you, that's a good, good perspective of it man it's he's got that horror element to him uh that that some characters like they come off really campy like i can't mm -hmm. see a very horror version of like the riddler even though it's happened um and certain certain batman villains rogues uh, i just can't see like a them to a certain horror extent but uh killer croc is always one that's like i would be terrified and you i i, I that's one of my, I have not played Arkham Asylum yet. It's one of my biggest regrets. It's something I want to do um, sooner than later. But to hear that, it makes me want to play it even more. They're utilizing the character how it should be. He's not this, just this dumb grunt mob boss thing. He's actually got a little bit of level of terror to him. 
And uh, it was kind of funny. I was skimming, I was skimming through some of his in- images because he's transformed quite a bit over the years. And uh, his old humanoid version, you know what it reminds me of? Uh, remember the Mario Brothers movie and the Goombas? Oh, yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> Looks just like him. Looks yeah. Just like him. Uh, yeah, a little creepy. I thought, right, that was, uh, I thought that was funny, though. Chud. Animalistic uh, <laughs> humanoid underground dwellers. That yeah. kind of reminds me of them, too. Now, Killer Croc. One of my mom's favorite movies. Is it what really? That? Chud is one of my mom's favorite movies. Really? Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Um, hey, uh, so that was like a couple years ago. Uh, I don't know if it's still going on or not, but Joker, it was this weird series where Killer Croc, he was the Joker's right-hand man. Uh, it was, is this ringing a bell to anybody? Joe, this was a dark series where it actually went as far as uh, they they were they were like driving in a convertible they picked a girl up joker raped her uh and croc was like what do you want me to do with a boss and he was like give her some money and kick her out and he was like how much and joker's like whatever it was worth so killer croc handed her a fucking hundred dollar bill like it's it's it was a fucked up series but i don't know if that's still going on or if that's still a thing with joker and croc just kind of out and about just uh he runs the tusk hotel now um, Say that again. he runs like he's in monster town and runs the tusk hotel so he took that all over he like dropped the name killer croc um and it's kind of like doing his own thing like being a mob boss okay he did go that route then yeah was that was it is it joker's asylum that that killer croc gimmick was in no, 2010. No, not 2010. I feel like it was sooner, probably in the last couple of years. Mm. I'll have to look that look that up, and I'll I'll make a note of that, and I'll bring it up next week. Perfect. But yeah, that's all. Uh, that's what I got for Killer Croc. Um, yeah, cool character. Just uh, want a little more. I would like I would like some more horror elements. I I wouldn't hate a live action. Um, like a TV show, live action kind of thing, Hulu, Netflix, whatever, DC, actually use the DC, uh, the DC streaming service, use that somehow. Uh, Killer Croc is a character I think it could be used very, very well if appropriately. Just but, not Suicide Squad version of him. No, yeah. no. I wonder if, they, I don't know if they're bringing him back for Suicide Squad too. I'm not sure. I think Flash Flash did King Shark and Gorilla Grodd and like Shark looks amazing. So I would love to see them them bring in Killer Croc on one of those like DC CW shows. That'd be fun. The costumes are always very interesting. I don't know because I'm so linear. Like if I, uh, who was it? Captain Boomerang. They did obviously the movie version, which I thought was pretty cool. And then they had this very different version on the TV show. And I was like, "Eh." yeah. I was like comparing and contrasting, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that does it. Um, And I just found out what our theme is for next month. I just found uh, what the theme is. So next month, the month of May is Asian history slash comic moms, comic moms, comic mill. That's what we got for the month of May. So the Druids are true. (laughs) Mike is so excited. (laughs) 
It's going to be interesting. It's going to be, so so we're going to split it. Asian history and comic moms. That is the focus. Uh, go well for the month of May, and yeah, we roll that with that next week. But uh, that does it. Don't forget find the Facebook page Wednesday, seven thirty. Get ready. Greg's live streaming a really cool broadcast for our comic character fight night, and uh, and yeah, so much more on the horizon for us here at the panel discussion. Uh, has anybody got anything to add in closing? Take care of yourselves and get Tubi. Download Tubi because they have a whole catalog of full moon entertainment movies. I'm talking Puppet Master, Subspecies, Evil Bong, Ginger, Dead Man, Jack Frost, a whole bunch of shit like that. There's tits in all these movies. They're great. Watch them. Love them. And then beg them to sponsor us. On that note. Yes. On that note, everybody, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week right here on the panel stuff. You hear any good podcasts lately? Uh, just this one. Which one? Two Point Conversation. Two Point Conversation? What's that? Well, it's a football podcast on the network at BICBP-radio.com. Matt Johnson hosts it with a plethora of co-hosts. He actually has a whole team, and they release an episode Monday through Friday, ranging from team statistics about NFL football. They talk about scores, rankings, fantasy picking. They do player analysis and a team breakdowns, I'm pretty sure, through past years as well. Did you say it's NFL football? NFL football. And every single day of the week? Monday through Friday. That is insane. He even drops special bonus episodes randomly, too. All right. I'm going to have to check this out. 